The scripture that uh, I'm speaking from is in 2 Kings chapter 6 and 7. And uh, we could have entitled the message a couple of different things. Of course, the, uh, the one that I used is, uh, uh, what will you stretch for? <laughs> what do you stretch for? Now, is there, you ever reach out to get something? If it's not important, you say, well, let it go. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that anyhow. But if it's really important, you know, you're, you know, you're reaching for it. And what happens is it appears to be out of reach. And, you know, if it, you can't reach it by your, your hand reaching out, you get something else to go and swipe it out. Any, anything ever fallen down between the washer and dryer? And not anybody ever has things? It goes down in there and you can't reach it and you get this thing and try and drag it out. In the closet, you're reaching up there. Nobody did that? Yeah, yeah okay. Some, some of us short people. I saw, I saw a guy, uh, oh, you got a grabber? You know, I should have brought one of those. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, oh, there's a short person. I won't, I won't pick on her just yet. <laughs> yeah. I already did, yeah. <laughs> but um, so what do you stretch for? I, I was the, the guy, Michigan State was, uh, I think it was Michigan State, Michigan was playing yesterday, and the guy on a basketball court was seven foot one. He was big, yeah? Not only was, you know, sometimes you get those seven footers, and they're as skinny as a rail, you can hardly stand up, but he was, you know, he was a force on the basketball court. So, um, so what do we stretch for? Generally, we stretch for something that's important to us or valuable to us. And uh, I was trying to find it on the, uh, the internet uh, uh, whenever Indiana Jones, you know, and they're the Temple of Doom or something or wherever, and they have the Holy Grail, the, seemingly the Cup of Christ. And the earthquake comes, and it's on a ledge, and, you know, his dad's holding him, and he's reaching, and he says, Indy, let it go. Oh, I can get it, I can get it, and let it go. <laughs> and the idea is, when something is of great value, we will extend or try to get there with as much effort as possible. Well, the, the scripture that we have today is in 2 Kings chapter 6, and beginning at verse 25, it says, Later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, gathered his whole army and surrounded and attacked Samaria. There was a shortage of food, a great famine in Samaria, and it was so bad that a donkey's head sold for two pounds. That was about $50. And that, now this is, this is you got to really understand, a half pint of dove's dung. A half a pint of Dove's dung sold for three bucks. <laughs> so this is, it's about two ounces. So we find that uh, there's a great famine, all right? So things are going on. There's a famine, and also the, sea, the city is in siege. The uh, armies have surrounded it. They can't get out. They can't, nobody can get in. They have to survive on what's within the walls. Now... One of the things is that sometimes whenever we feel like we're trapped, 
There's a couple of places in this story that we can align ourselves with. We can align ourselves with uh, the, the city itself being in siege. We can align ourselves maybe with the prophet, Elisha, as we're going to find out here in a moment, or with the four lepers. So let's read on. So um, Dove's dung sold for about two ounces of um, silver, and as the king was passing on by on the wall, a woman yelled out to him, Help me, my master, lord, and king. So these, these people are desperate. They're desperate for something to eat. They're desperate for food. They're, they're, they're desperate. They're dying of starvation in the city. And the, the economy is such, you know, when you live in an agricultural society, such as over here in Israel, uh, they grow their crops, and it's generally enough to help them get through the season they're in. They don't have, you know, I always remember my mom, she would can things, put them in jars and pressure cooker, things like that. You'd have peaches in the middle of the winter. Well, they didn't have those things. They maybe had dried fruits or had ways of um, putting salt on things and drying them up and, you know, storing them. So we find that these are going on in the, in the, uh, the cities in a great famine, okay? So they didn't have a, a storehouse of, of things for the people to eat. And if they did, <laughs> they'd use them all up. And the king says, if the Lord doesn't help you, how can I? So the king is blaming God. The king here of Samaria is blaming God that they're in this predicament. He says, can't I get help? Can I get help from the threshing floor? Can I get out of the place where they have ground the wheat, brought it in, and, you know, uh, taken the wheat kernels out of the, out of the husk, the, what's it called? Chaff. Can I get the wheat kernel out of the chaff, you know, things like that, or from the wine press? Then the king said to her, what is your trouble? What are you complaining about? So, all right, so it seems like a normal request. You've got people that are dying. <laughs> they want help, and so they're calling out to the king. Go to the official, get some help. Well, she answered. This woman said to me, give up your son so we can eat him today. Then we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled or cooked my son and ate him. Then the next day I said to her, give up your son so we can eat him. But she hid him. <laughs> so this is desperate. The famine, the, <laughs> the people had reached a point where they had turned to cannibalism. That it was... It was beyond anything that they had ever imagined would happen, but the army's out there, and they're just hanging out, waiting for the city to surrender or, you know, totally collapse and everybody die off. So they're just kind of sitting out there waiting, you know, taking their time while the city's coming to ruin. So when the king heard the woman's words, he tore his clothes, and as he walked around the wall, Excuse me. As he walked around the wall, the people looked and saw he had on rough clothes. So underneath he had sackcloth on. It was like a way of, um, of saying to them that he was in mourning. He was, he was greatly distressed 
over what was going on in the city and how many people were dying and the starvation and you know, how bad everything was. So he said, may God punish me terribly if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, isn't cut off from his body today. And so, all right, so now we know. The, the king is mad at God and the king is mad at Elisha. Now, why is he mad at Elisha? Well, one of the things is, prior to this, you know, the, the, the scripture starts with later on. So prior to where we started reading, Elisha was, uh, he, he was praying and the, the, uh, the enemy was plotting how to attack Israel's army. And Elisha knew what they were thinking by God's spirit. He, knew what, he would tell the king, and the king then would go and attack the armies and defeat them because how do they know? And so the foreign king says, hey, how, which one of you people are betraying us? You're betraying us, and you're, you're selling us out to the, to the people of Israel. And they, they said, no, king, we're not doing it. There's a prophet in Israel, and he knows what you're thinking and saying in your bedchamber. So they have the bright idea, let's go get the prophet, okay? So in that story, we have they send a whole army to, buy, to get two people. They're going to get Elisha and his servant. So if we, we can capture him, then we can raid Israel and take them captive, okay? So this whole army goes in the middle of the night and they surround this town where, where Elisha is. The servant gets up in the morning and walks outside and he says, uh-oh, we're in trouble now. This whole place is surrounded by chariots and soldiers and you know, they're just waiting for the prophet to come out. And Elisha, you know, he goes back in and says, the servant goes back in and says to Elisha, hey, Elisha, we're in trouble now. The whole army's out there. And Elisha says, no problem. No problem. Why? There are more with us than with them. Now, Elisha, he can't count. <laughs> yes, he can. That was a joke. <laughs> Elisha can't count. Because there's only two of them, and there's a whole army surrounding them. But Elisha says to the servant, God, open my servant's eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw the angels and the army of God, and that it was just surrounding the whole place and surrounding the enemy. It was, there were so mighty massive soldiers of, of the angels and the armies of heaven that the guy says, oh my, you know. Wow, we do have more with us. The parallel for us is there are more with us than with them. When God is with us, which he is, now, we may not think it, we may not uh, know that God is there, because you know, we can't see him. We, we, know, we just believe that he is there, and guess what? He is there, because we cannot be anywhere where God is not. You can't be somewhere God is not there. If you descend into hell, God's there. You mean he lives in hell? No, he can walk in and out of hell all he wants. The devil can't stop him. 
It's just at the end of the age when it all comes, it's all going to be settled. But you take the wings of the morning and travel at the speed of light. God is already there. That's what the psalmist says. So anyhow, there's more with us than with them. So what happens is the army is blinded. Elisha leads the whole army and they take them back to Jerusalem, put them in the city walls, and then God opens their eyes and there they are, (laughs) surrounded by by the army of Israel inside the walls of Jerusalem. And so they're going to kill them all. No. Feed them and let them go home. And the army, the enemy, said, okay, we left. And so they left. And for a while, they stayed away. Now they've come back. They've come back, and they're back in force. And they're going, to, they're going to take the city of Samaria. So the king sent a messenger to Elisha. So the king kind of hates Elisha because he thinks God can perform a miracle anytime he wants. Well, Elisha can perform a miracle anytime he wants. He perhaps listened to the counsel of Elisha, and Elisha says, don't worry about it, trust God. The king says, okay, I'll trust God. Well, he couldn't do anything else because the, <laughs> the place was surrounded by the enemy. He had no choice. But the king falsely thinks that Elisha can perform miracles anytime he wants. And so... They're in a situation where people are eating their children. And God hasn't, Elisha hasn't performed a miracle yet. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kill Elisha. <laughs> and and we're going to settle this. Okay? So I have two stories like this. You know, Sunday school, this is kind of similar to me telling a story of what's in the chapter. So anyhow, the king sent a messenger to Elisha who was sitting in his house with the elders. So you can tell who has the authority here. The elders of the city are sitting with Elisha, not with the king. All right. Um, But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to them, See, this murderer is sending men to cut off my head. Elisha already knew what the king was doing. Now, Did you ever have, we call them premonitions. Did you ever know something was going to happen before it happened? And then it happened? And you write it off as, oh, that's just, we should never write those things off. Because we need to pay attention to where that whispering thought comes from. Because sometimes it's God telling us and getting us accustomed to that voice in our spirit and in our life so that we will be ready for and prepared for what's coming. You know, if you know enough to stop when there's no reason to stop, and then all of a sudden there's a reason that you'd have been dead if you'd been there. (laughs) Anybody had those? Accidents were prevented by you saying, you know what, I need to slow down. Or I need to, I just need to pull over and wait. And then we'll we'll go on from there. I remember one time we were driving... This was in Maine. Uh, We were driving down this back street. And I'm going along, and there's a car on the right-hand side. And I just stop. For no reason, I just stop. It's like I got to stop. There's no stop sign. There's nothing. I just stop. And the car, I see the car then moving. 
and the car just comes down the hill and across the road and runs into the building. There's nobody in it. Somehow it was in neutral, and if I had kept going, I would have been stopped where that car was going to come down and hit. Now, we wouldn't have, you know, wouldn't have been some major accident, but for whatever reason, you stop. You do. Well, we need to pay attention to those things because Elijah, now, not every time that, that you have that, you know, God wants me to give away everything I own. That's not God. <laughs> you know, God doesn't tell us to give everything away. God tells us to share what we have. You can't give, you, you know, whenever he's telling the rich young ruler to sell everything you have, what the, he was doing was he was challenging that young man to move beyond what he thought was his security and trust in God. Because we trust in things more than we trust in God. That's generally where we have our problems. So, Elisha knows this guy's coming to cut his head off. <laughs> and so he tells the people, stay at the door, hold the door closed, because the king's coming right after him. So that's what they do. Elisha was still talking with the leaders when the messenger arrived, and the king said, this trouble, this misery has come from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? That's what they're telling Elisha. Why should we wait any longer? Nothing is being done. In our life, how many times have we prayed for something to be done, and it's beyond time to be done? You know, there's, we can't, well, there's nothing could be done now. If we had done something earlier, we might have been able to prevent this. But we waited for God, and it didn't work out. Hmm. Well, if you don't study for a test, you're not going to pass. Unless you're my son. But, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the whole other story. But in our life, we have to prepare. We need to prepare ourselves, and we need to keep preparing. You see, whenever we come, we come here to church, what do we, we come here to prepare our life to receive more of God, to, to encourage our faith, to be able to understand that we are walking with God. God is walking with us. God isn't trying to put us in a mold so we become like, you know, little puppets and everybody does the same thing the whole time, that we are, that God is with us in the life that we live and that God is here to help us, to forgive us, to get rid of the garbage that we try to drag with us through life. And God says, I want to forgive you of that so that you can be who you are created to be. So, so they're blaming God, you know, Messenger arrived, the king said, the trouble that we are in is because God hasn't done anything he's supposed to do. All right? Then chapter 7. This is what the Lord says, okay? So here's Elisha saying, this is what God is telling us. All right? About this time tomorrow, seven quarts of fine flour will be sold for two-fifths of an ounce of silver. That's a dollar. Okay, they're paying $50 for a donkey's head and $3 for 
pigeon poop. All right? I know it's the wrong thing to say. Pigeon droppings. There we go. I'll tone it up a little bit. But Elijah's time, we're going to sell flour tomorrow for a dollar. And um, 13 quarts of barley will be sold for two-fifths of an ounce of silver. Uh, they, this will happen at the gate of Samaria. All oh, right. You know, Elisha has lost his mind. You see, this is so unrealistic. You know, like these days, today, if there's a crisis, there's a, um, like for the assemblies, we have what's called Convoy of Hope. We have tractor-trailer loads of food stationed in different parts of the country that when there's a disaster, these tractor-trailer loads of, of goods uh, and people go to these disaster areas, okay? And to help the people who have, you know, if there's hurricanes and tornadoes and, you know, people to help, there's just, you know, and that's just our denomination. And then you've got other relief agencies just coming in and helping people. Well, there was no relief agency. There was no one coming with a donkey load of goods, <laughs> You know, there was nobody coming. And Elisha is saying, there's going to be so much food tomorrow at this time. You won't be able to, you know, it's beyond, beyond, beyond comprehension. <laughs> then the officer, the officer who was there said, who was second in command to the king, he says, even if the Lord opened windows in the sky, that couldn't happen. Did you ever think that what you're believing for, you know, in your heart of hearts, your spirit, God says, I'm going to do this in your life. And you share it with people. <laughs> and that was the first mistake. <laughs> we share some of those dreams with individuals who don't have the same dream. And even if, and they, and they, and they come back with very logical Arguments. If God opened up the doors of heaven, and if, even if he did that, it still wouldn't do what you just said. <laughs> so don't doubt what God says, even if you don't understand. You know, the Elijah says, Elisha says, God is going to supply, and God is going to change everything by this time tomorrow. Here we are. Here I am. I'm not Elisha. <laughs> but we're trying to present the word, the scripture. The Bible says that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Okay? God will provide in our life, spiritually, physically, mentally, materially, God is able to do anything and everything because he's God. Now, we, on the other hand, hear that word, and, we're, and we already start with the, well, you know, you know, I've been bad, or I've been this, and I've been that, and, you know, I don't have, a, I, I don't think he can do, uh, you know. And what do we do? We start to build up walls around the promise that puts limitations upon what that promise, how it fits into our life. Well, even if we don't know how it's going to fit, we just need to leave the walls away and say, okay, if it's you, God, you need to make this real to me. All right. 
So Elisha says to the servant, you will see it with your eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Uh-oh. <laughs> there are consequences. Excuse me. <laughs> I got a lozenger so I can talk longer. <laughs> and you're praying, God, let it melt, let it melt. <laughs> God, don't hear that prayer. Make it, make it melt. Elijah says, you will see it with your eyes, but you won't eat any of it. Do you see what happens? You will see it, but you won't be able to partake in it. Why? Because we said it couldn't happen. It can't happen that way. Well, you see, this, this guy, if he was smart enough, he should have known that Elisha, Elisha had just sometime in the past, led an entire army blind back to Jerusalem. Elisha has done miracles, and there's, you know, go back, they were building a house, and, uh, and the, the axe handle, the axe end, the metal part, broke off and went into the water, and, it, and they lost it, and the guy says, oh, Elisha, I've lost this axe head, and, and it, it was borrowed. What does Elisha do? He takes a piece of wood and throws it in the water, and the axe head floats. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> God does. Oh, that can't happen. You will see it and never be able to partake of it. You see, we can, if we can open our mind and open our hearts, we're believing that God can do this, and I don't know how it can happen in my life, but I'm not going to close the door on it. I'm not going to say it can never happen to me. I'm going to say, I don't understand how it can happen to me, but I know God can do anything. So I'll just leave the door open. So, there were four men with a skin disease. <laughs> they were lepers. And they were sitting at the gate, at the entrance of the city, and they said to each other, and this, you know, in the book of Esther, we said, who knows whether you've come to the kingdom of God for such a time as this. And Esther saved the Jewish people. Read the book of Esther. In this one, we're either Elisha or we are the four lepers. We are Elisha speaking the word, hearing the word, or we're the four lepers who have no idea what Elisha has spoken. But they are outside the city gates. Now, who do you think are the first people to die when there's an attack? The guys outside the wall. <laughs> okay, these are lepers. They're not allowed to go inside. And they're, because they have this disease that they're, they're forbidden to go inside, so they sit on the outside and wait for, wait for food. Well, inside they're eating their kids. They're cannibals on the inside of that city. Do you think these lepers are getting any food? <laughs> so the lepers talk it over and say, why do we sit here until we die? It, let's go to the camp of the, the enemy. So, in our life, and, and you know, it doesn't mean we have to move. 
Why sit here? Why do we stay where we're at until we, until we die? It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean we have to move. We have to change our hearts and minds. We have to change ourselves to the perspective that I, ha- I can move onward from here without moving locations. I can, I can help myself become the person God wants me to, to be by becoming better at who I am. I can, I can believe that God, can, who created me for a purpose, has a purpose for me to live and to grow into. I just haven't arrived there yet. I've been doing this for, since 1972. I haven't arrived yet. Some of you weren't even born before that. You're not as old as I've been in the ministry, but I haven't arrived yet. And I don't even think I'm old. Think about that for a while. Guy is lost. He has lost it. We can go home. So sometimes we are Elisha and sometimes we're the lepers. Sometimes we just need to get off our butt and go do something. Well, (laughs) there's no food in the city. So if we go into the city, we're going to die because people don't allow us in there. And if we stay here at the gate, we're going to die. And if we go to the Armenian camp, they may kill us. So any way you look at it, we're going to die. So let's go, let's go do something. They decide to stretch. <laughs> to a place that they don't know about. They're going to go to the enemy camp. The Armenian camp. Now, the Armenians have no time for lepers. But they're going there anyhow. So they got up at twilight, at dusk, and they went to the camp. Now, Elisha knows that God is going to intervene in the, in, in, for the city of Samaria. These four lepers aren't acting in faith, they're acting in necessity. Sometimes we need to ask and act, react in faith, and sometimes we just got to move because of necessity. It's time to move. If you're going to sit here long enough, you're going to die where you're sitting. So get up. There's, there's sometimes, you know, so there's all these different things going on around us. And it doesn't say that the lepers were moved by God to go. But as they went, something happened. When they arrived at the edge of the camp, no one was there. <laughs> so they got to the Armenian camp and no one's home. The Lord had caused the Armenian army to hear the sound of chariots and horses and large army. You see, the enemy is afraid of the prophet of God. (laughs) They they know what happened years before when the whole army was (laughs) blinded and the the prophet Elijah led them home you know, led them to Jerusalem, they fed them and sent them home, and now they're in this place where they're, 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 they sieged Samaria, and, and the prophet Elijah's in the, in, the, in the city, and they're afraid of him, because they're so much afraid of him that these four lepers, now, if, if you've ever, I mean, if you ever see the movies on people with leprosy, <laughs> you know, you know, they generally, their, their skin is falling off, they're, they have no feeling, and it, they're bruised and disfigured, and the whole works. And they generally are in rags. Their feet are in rags. Their arms are in rags. They're just in rags because no one cares for them. 
they're just, they're just shunned. So when they arrive, came to the edge of the camp, they went into one of the tents, and there's nobody home. They ate and they drank. They carried silver and gold and clothes out of the camp, and they hid them. And then they came back and entered another tent, and they carried things out of the tent, and they went and hid them. Now, I've heard people say, these people are just greedy. No, they're lepers. They know that when, the, when society arrives, they're out. So they, got, they rounded up everything they could and put it in, hid it somewhere so that they would be taken care of for what's coming. Then they went back to the, the city gates, and they cried out and said, hey, <laughs> they, um, the army, they left. Imagine what the, the king, they woke the king up, said, the Armenians, they've gone. <laughs> king says, they're not gone, they're in hiding. They're just waiting for us to come out of the city, they're going to kill us, and then come in and take the city. The king couldn't imagine that God could intervene. He's going to kill the man of God for God not doing something, and now he doesn't believe what he hears, and so they send out soldiers to find out where they came, where they left, and the soldiers... There was a couple horses left that they hadn't eaten. And they took those horses and followed the Armenian army and they went to the river and they're gone. And you could see the whole thing. You see, in those days, they took all of their stuff with them. They took their cattle, they took their clothing, they took their gold and their silver. They took all this stuff with them. So in their tents was everything that they owned, basically. And they were so frightened by the four lepers coming, they left everything. And so the people went out and took valuables from the, uh, ransacked the Armenian camp. And so even seven quarts of measures of flour, fine flour, sold for a dollar, <laughs> just as the prophet had said. But the officers had answered, this is verse 19, well, wait a minute. The king chose the officer who was, to, was closest to him, and he was to guard the gate. <laughs> who was guarding the gate? The guy who said, you know what, Elisha? If God opened the windows of heaven, it won't happen what you said. Elisha says, you'll hear it and see it, but you won't partake of it. This guy's waiting at the gate, trying to control the mob, what happens at Walmart on Christmas Eve? <laughs> there is a bargain. And people have been trampled. Well, this guy was trampled to death by everybody getting out of the city and going to the Armenian camp. But the officers had said, verse 19, even if the Lord opened the windows in the sky, that couldn't happen. And Elisha told him, you will see it with your eyes, but you won't eat of it. It happened to the officer just that way. The people trampled him in the gateway, and he died. So, what happens when we stretch? You see, there's a challenge. Sometimes we're Elijah, and we hear the word, and we speak the word. Sometimes we're the four lepers. You just got to get up and go. You got to do something. And, and God will help us, no matter who we are, whether we're Elisha or whether we're the leper. We just don't want to be the king. We don't be the king. We don't want to be the guy standing at the gate saying, you know, this really can't be true. 
We want to be part of what God's kingdom is about changing our lives and God's provision and God's blessing and how that God has prepared a place for us. He's prepared a way for us. He's the way maker. He's the one who challenges us and brings to reality the faith that is inside of our hearts and minds. And no matter how far along we are in the process, like the city, it's, it's doom and gloom. But you know what? doesn't matter. God has a way of changing that overnight. <laughs> Shall we stand? Stretch. Bend and stretch and reach for the stars. <laughs> Are we ready for that, huh? So, we're grateful for God's blessing and how that God is going to watch over us and God is going to move in our hearts and lives. Amen? Father, we thank you that you have called us to the kingdom of God for such a time as this and that God, you have blessed us and encouraged us and God, you know what's, what our future holds for us. So we ask, Lord, that you guide us in our walk with you and Lord, we just know that as we follow you, God, you will open the doors of opportunity before us. Help us, Lord, to know when it's time to move and when it's time to stay, when it's time to declare your word and believe and stand on it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.